I'm really thankful you all got here safe. You know, it's snowing really hard, and, you know, Portland got snowed out, it seemed like. Uh, you guys got stuck there last night, didn't you? Yeah, the, the McDonald's just made it through. <laughs> they must have missed the snow drifts that you hit or something. I don't know. We're glad you're all here. It's awesome. The reason being is because of the topic this year. When I preached my first sermon, first Sunday in January, I started with, there's an elephant in the room. And I don't know if you've ever noticed, but it seems like the topic of conversation with folks, whether it be in the church or in the world, is, man, this thing is happening, it's crazy, and this thing is happening and crazy, and, and you hear a little trepidation in their voice sometimes a lot. But you know, fear is very powerful in a negative way and a positive way. Satan can use fear to drive the church to hunker in their bunker, and that's exactly what Satan wants, but that's exactly what the Lord has come to empower us to be more than conquerors, overcomers, people who in the fight are liberating others at the sacrifice of self. And so I'm very excited about the opportunity to be able to have these men come from East Coast, Middle America, and, and from Portland, Oregon, and Alvador, Oregon, Pleasant Hill, Oregon, to share share uh, their thoughts. The first preacher is near and dear to my heart. The first sermon this preacher ever preached was when he was five years old. And I was privileged to that sermon. It was, it was pre-men's camp before we had started uh, G4 Summit. And uh, this little guy, uh, his brother had preached an excellent sermon the year before. and uh, But now it's his sermon. He got on a stump and he was on that stump, man. He was preaching, repent! Change your ways! The Lord is coming! And he was into it, man. And uh, standing on that stump, getting after it! And he slipped off the stump and rolled right into the fire pit. <laughs> Thank goodness there wasn't a fire going. But man, that was, he was getting after it. And uh, I was proud of him then, and I'm proud of him now. Because after that first sermon at Pleasant Hill, first Sunday in January, Ryan goes, Dad, I, I really want to preach. I said, what are you going to preach? And he told me what he was going to preach. And I always, some of you know, but I usually preach the first one to kind of lay it all out. And, uh, and his sermon was, was like, wow. I think he will, he's going to need to lay it all out, and, and he's going to. I'm really proud of my son, Ryan as I am of Andrew, who is my amazing uh, son, musician, and uh, uh, Jacob, who's Mr. Steady Eddie. By the way, he's got two Bible studies. He's brought one person to the point of decision. Uh, and as soon as she gets back from visiting her mom, she's going to be immersed into Christ. So, so proud of my sons, but I'm proud of Ryan for willing to step up and opening this year's 2023, The Power of Fear. Bring it up, Ryan. Let's give it up for Ryan Carson. get a video of that. <laughs> Doesn't happen often. <clears throat> All right. So, hope you guys got your coffee, because I got my coffee. 
I had a long day, so if I, uh, if I start to put myself to sleep, somebody come up here and bump me. Is that close enough to All right. All right, so like Dad was saying, I, uh, I kind of got all excited when I heard him uh, do the first lesson. He kind of introduced the whole idea, and it was something that I had always kind of wondered about, you know, the... the you know, the church preaches this, you know, fear of God and fear God. And, you know, you see it in the scriptures so much. Um, but at the same time, you also see God saying so often through the scriptures, do not fear, fear not. And so it was always something that really bothered me in a way. Um, because if you're not supposed to fear, then the one who's your God and Savior should be the one you fear the least. And so it really always hit me the wrong way when I'd hear, you know, the two different things. And it was always a contradiction in my head, which we all know God doesn't contradict himself. So it was something I had to study out because if, you know, obviously God's not contradicting himself, I'm not understanding. Um, <clears throat> so that being said, turn to Proverbs chapter 9. And I am not up here to necessarily teach you the the fear of God. I'm up here to kind of give you a direction on where this camp is going. Um, I don't have the, the years and wisdom that the other men that will be up here do. Um, so I'm, I'm just kind of trying to give you uh, the broad stroke and then these guys are going to come up here and really pinpoint uh, what the fear of God is and how that's supposed to really change our lives and change uh, who we are as Christians. So, introduction, uh, we're going to start in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And so I wanted to kind of use the verse Dad's been using. Um, so it gives me kind of a, a rock to go back to uh, as I go through my lesson. But I wanted to kind of introduce the idea of fear uh, fearing the Lord, and then also understanding. So what does that mean uh, when he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding? Um, if you look at Proverbs, a lot of times uh, there will be two different phrases, and they pretty much say the same thing, but just worded a little different. And I, and Brian actually has said it so many times, the, the scriptures are saying the same thing over and over and over, it's just God saying it in a little bit different way because it might, it might hit me a little different. It might hit you different. So then we can all understand, but God's trying to say the same thing over and over. It's so simple, but we read right over it. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So I looked up uh, in the old 1828 Merriam-Webster's Dictionary because that's what the dictionary was written for back then was understanding the Scripture. And it says, uh, a clear perception of that which exists, or of truth and fact. The perception of the connection and agreement, or disagreement, and uh, repugnancy of our ideas. So I had to go look up repugnancy, because I had no idea what that meant. Um, so I looked up uh, repugnance, because they didn't have repugnancy. Uh, and it just means opposition of mind or reluctance. So if we reread that definition, a clear perception of that which exists or of truth and fact, the perception of the connection and the agreement or the disagreement 
and the relux reluctance of our ideas, um, it was still kind of confusing. I was, I was still trying to grasp what this word uh, knowledge meant. And so I looked up the 2023 dictionary definition. I mean, I figured it might, it might have something decent in there. Uh, and it says the factor condition of knowing something with familiarity gained through experience or association. Um, so if you really think about it, you can't fear, in, and we're just looking at the general word. The word, when I say fear, whatever you think of, when I say that word, we're just thinking about that for right now. That's, that's not what fearing the Lord is, but that's what we're thinking of right now. Um, when you think of fear, you have to have kind of a knowledge of whatever that object, person, situation is in order to have that, that fear. If you, if you don't know, then there's no real understanding or feeling of how the situation, person, or whatever that is. You don't really have an emotion towards it. And so it's the same with the Lord. When we look at God, if we don't understand who he is, if we don't really dig in deep and understand who the Lord is, especially to us, then how can we properly fear God, whether it means to tremble or to honor him with an adoration so deep because we understand his sacrifice? We can't do that if we don't truly know the Lord. So a lot of fear, a lot of this, and I, know, I'm, I don't know what everyone's speaking on, so I haven't read all your notes. Um, so if I step on your toes, I'm sorry. Um, but that's kind of where this camp is going, is we aren't, when we speak of fear, it's not fear and trembling. It's an adoration and an understanding of who God is. And that should kind of make you fear in one sense, in that you understand just how big that sacrifice was, but also be blown away by how big that sacrifice was. It's an adoration and awe and honor of God. So, moving on, uh, we need to know who God is. So we're going to turn to Matthew uh, chapter 10, and we're going to look at one little verse there. I'm a picture guy, so we're gonna we're gonna paint some pictures. I I love reading. I love reading American history, um, but when it comes to learning, I'm I'm a tactile learner, so I have to I have to go do something. Like it has to be hands on. But if that's not possible, then pictures. Like show me a cool like diagram or something, so I can kind of get my mind wrapped around it. If you just sit there and talk at me, it's really hard to understand. So we're gonna paint some mental pictures today. Um, because God really does use uh, the physical universe to show his spiritual realm uh, so that we can understand it more easily. So we're going to look at who God is right now real quick. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. Oh, once I find it. Uh, Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him uh, before my Father who is in heaven. So that doesn't tell you a little bit of who God is. I, I don't know what will. It's, it's that simple. He has the perfect plan of salvation laid out. And if you confess him, then he'll confess you before his father. It's, it's just such a simple concept that we kind of just look over. 
I think I do all the time. You know, it's it's not something you really think about. Um, you know, in regards to who's uh, or who God is in character. Uh, turn to Romans chapter eight, verses fourteen through seventeen, real quick. We're just trying to get a a broad picture, broad brush picture of who God is, real quick. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. It says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Uh, for you have not received a spirit of slavery, uh, leading into fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies uh, with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. So there's, there's this whole um, picture of God's not just this, this all-powerful being that we need to kind of, you know, worship and and be in this kind of state of uh, servitude toward, that's part of it, but it's also that he's our father. And I know for so many people that that picture is not really a good picture because of our physical fathers. I, I was blessed, I, I got a pretty cool one. But so many people have this really bad picture of, um, you know, maybe their physical father wasn't who he needed to be, but when we look at the scriptures and the the Greek here, I guess it would be, I think it would be Greek, Abba, Father, it translates daddy. So it's this like loving child that's just crying out for their father. And when you see that, when you see, you know, a good physical father with his child, it's just so, you, you kind of like feel good when you see a kid just running towards their dad. They know their dad's going to protect them. They know their dad dad's going to make sure if, if they slip they aren't going to let them fall and that's the kind of father we have and i think we we kind of forget these things and we don't understand truly what that means so we need to kind of remind ourselves over and over which is what we're trying to do to paint a picture here so second peter uh chapter three and now we're going to see the other side of who god is because god is the same yesterday today and forever and God laid out a very clear plan of salvation, a very clear way of entering into that salvation. And so there are consequences, just like an earthly father. There are consequences when we don't follow through with what our part of that plan of salvation is. Um, so Second Peter chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. Uh, for when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at the time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and the earth are being reserved for fire, uh, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. So there it is. There's the elephant in the room. The, the thing we've all known our whole lives is God is this. This angry God that just wants to burn the earth. Um, that's not exactly so. How many times did God say he wanted none to perish, but all to come to repentance? Right. There are consequences, though. And we have to understand 
uh, and this is where this is where it gets kind of tricky and sticky. Is uh, <laughs> uh, how does God, being all uh, what's it called, um, infinitely wisdom or infinitely wise, having infinite wisdom, having all the power, having everything? God is everything and in everything. He is the Alpha and Omega. How does He accomplish something? Uh, as tricky as perfect justice, but also perfect mercy for those who believe. Like, how is that possible? In in our minds, you can't do that. We, we're finite. We're confined to space and time and measurements and weights. Like, our minds don't wrap, wrap it, or our minds can't wrap themselves around that concept of Perfect justice means every wrongdoer pays for every sin they've done. But everybody who comes to him, and instead of being crushed by the rock, they fall on the rock and are broken, there's perfect mercy. So how does that work? I'm not saying I know the answer, but I'm saying I think I know the answer. And it's, it's pretty clear in the scriptures. It's God accomplished this by free will. By sending his son, his son dying, paying the ultimate sacrifice, he, he paid for every sin on the planet. But the choice is mine. The choice is yours. It's not your mom's. It's not your dad's. It's not your husband's, your wife's, your kids. It's your choice alone whether to choose perfect justice or perfect mercy. So in that, we have to understand who God is. If we don't understand who God is, we won't understand what that perfect mercy looks like. We won't understand what it took, God crushing his own son. Um, and when I think of this, you really think of, uh, you know, some of the, the pictures that God has given us in this physical world, because it's... Like I said, I, I like pictures. It's hard to contem or hard to uh, really grasp um, what that looks like. And so I know uh, Mr. Doty would know exactly who Chesty Puller is. Um, they still talk of him. They still say goodnight to him in the Marine Corps. Um, he was a man who led by example, and I'm sure his Marines under him feared him, both in a sense of knowing that they could be court-martialed by the man but they also knew that that man would be out front leading them through every battle that they went through. He was boots on the ground. He wasn't leading from HQ. He led right in front of his men. He was getting shot at. He was, he was right there in the thick of it. And so those men that he led feared him. And now he's, he's a legend in the Marine Corps, in the United States Marine Corps. He didn't do that by exercising his power per se he didn't do that by treating his men with disrespect he respected them and he earned their respect by leading by example um, and when we understand that that goes so much further when Christ led by example paid the ultimate sacrifice now it's our job to follow him into a war that's even bigger. It's even more important. It's no longer just a war for a little bit of dirt. It's no longer a war for 
know, saving human lives. It's a war for eternity for every single individual soul. And God knows the number of hairs on the head of each of those souls. So how important is it to him? So, I didn't do it on, I don't have my notes on my phone. I'm old fashioned, I had to write them all out. But I have several different sets and I have to remember which set I'm on. <laughs> so all of that, we're talking about who God is and how we have to really know who he is before we can properly fear um, really our own our own uh, free will is more of is more of where that that fear of condemnation should stem from. Um, he, God does not want anyone to perish and live in eternity in the lake of fire. The lake of fire was made for the devil and his angels. It was not made for a single human soul. But there is a standard, and we are expected to choose, and we do, whether we know it or not. Whether someone knows it or not, they choose. God doesn't change the rules. There's, there's only two options. And so in one sense, that should... That should make us fear. And I think that's what pushes a lot of people to the water. But beyond that, you start to understand the great amount of love that there was, not just for the ultimate sacrifice of the cross, but every single day, every choice Christ made was for that ultimate goal of getting to the cross and then going back into glory and presenting his blood before the, before the Father. Um, until we start to understand that, we can't truly fear in that sense of awe, the adoration um, that we're going to be learning about um, this weekend. And like I said, I'm not trying to explain that. I'm trying to show you guys kind of the broad, bar, broad brush where we're going this weekend. Um, but as we look at all those things and we see the world that we're in today, we, it's, it's easy to kind of fear things of this world. There's so much going on. Uh, I was talking with Matt Harford actually before we got going. He's, he's back there somewhere. There he is. Uh, I couldn't remember if he was here last year because I get him and Matt Parsley and uh, Jeremy Wilson all mixed up, the three of them. And, I can never, and they always seem to rotate when they're here. So I'm always confused which one was here last year. It's, it's rough. 25 and I'm having memory issues. Um, but anyway, I, I actually, as soon as we started chatting about it, I did, I totally remembered your lesson and that just led me right into this. This is off, off the sidelines right now. So if I say something, it's, I'm going off the notes. Uh, was anyone here for Matt Hartford's lesson last year? Raise your hand. Okay. Do you, do you remember anything about that? Yeah. What? Uh, you were, you were, it was, it was something along the lines of, um, it, it, I wouldn't call it, uh, I wouldn't, well, we're not going to say that. Uh, it was one of those where it was, it was a very, very frank, um, lesson. It was pretty much, Hey, this is what's going on in the world today, especially in kind of the ec economic, uh, world today. A lot of really scary stuff. 
um, like currency going away, like actual cash, you can touch currency going away, uh, new currency that's coming out uh, that really holds no value at all. They completely control it. It's all electronic and you know, you'd say the wrong thing on Facebook, your car doesn't work the next day, doesn't work for 48 hours, like really scary stuff. And so I was sitting there last year and I'm going, man, this is kind of depressing, but he had a point and his point was, we can't focus on these things. There's a lot going on, but that's just the spiritual world kind of revealing its ugly head in the spiritual world. All these things that we see, COVID, I mean, I guess there's a nasty train derailment in Ohio that's a big deal that I didn't know about till today. All these big physical things that are like scaring everybody. I mean, there's a lot of it going on right now. War in Ukraine and Russia and it's, people are scared. People are trying to find something they can hold on to. Um, not that we need to really focus on those things, but we do need to be aware. The United States is not what it used to be. And it's not gonna be what it ever used to be. I hate to break it to you. I'm as red-blooded American as the next. You can ask pretty much anybody from Pleasant Hill. Uh, it, it's a hill I would gladly die on, but we're not, we're not what we used to be anymore. And to see the church going through um, really an outright attack, and it's all in this physical world. It's all these little physical things, abortion, pro-life, all these little things, you know, little choices here and there. I mean, that's a pretty little choice, isn't it? It's, it's pretty little. No, it's not. It's life and death, literally. So the church is under deliberate attack. Uh, turn to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. This is my first time speaking at a camp, so I, I am a little tongue-tied, so bear with me. Uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 13, or starting in verse 13, uh, says, And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman, uh, and the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman, so that she could fly into the wilderness to her place, uh, where she was nourished for a time and time and a half, uh, for a time and times and time and a half, for the presence from the presence of the serpent. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman, so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. Uh, but the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened up its mouth, drank up the water, uh, or drank up the river which the water poured out of his mouth. So the dragon was enraged. And went off to make more make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus. Now, who do you think that is? It wasn't rhetorical. Somebody. Matt Hyde. Yeah. So Satan is making war with us now. So he couldn't take out Christ, but he figures, hey. I can take out all the people that are just like him, right? So it's that it's pretty cut and dry there. Satan's decided that since he couldn't win against Christ, Christ beat him right there on the cross. He's going to take as many people with him as he can. He doesn't want to be lonely. Who doesn't want friends, right? While you're burning. 
Um, so, the, and that's the thing is the devil is so sick. He's got no, he's got no reason, no rhyme or reason to it other than he wants to take as many people with him. He's not going to gain anything. He's not going to get out. He's not going to change his sentence. He just wants as many people to go down with him as possible. Uh, and so we see all these physical events, and we really need to understand that it is just the spiritual war sometimes pokes its head through the physical glasses or through the, the skin of the physical world, and we see these little events, or, well, these big physical events and disasters are really just the spiritual war poking through here and there, almost like you see in these movies, the, the sea serpent or whatever, and you see the little spikes coming up out of the water. I don't know. Uh, I, I like pictures, okay? <laughs> um, so when we, when we think about these things, we have to really look with spiritual eyes to understand uh, where, kind of where we're at, where we're going. This isn't to scare people. This is so we understand where we're at and where things are going. And what do we do about it? Um, there's so many people that are trying to say it's, it's well, in the past I said, oh, the end of the world is coming at such and such a date and such and such a time. We all know that's not, that's not accurate. They don't know, just like God said. They wouldn't know. You aren't going to know. You'll see signs. But they've been seeing signs. They thought it was near the end in the first century church. And I wasn't really good about putting these in order. So. They were kind of shorter. So Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 8 and 10, or 8 through 10. I think that's the one. This was from my early draft, so it might not be the one. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, uh, verses 8 through 10. All things are wearisome, man, man is not able to tell it. Uh, the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear uh, filled with hearing. That which, is, uh, that which has been is that which will be, and that which has been done is that which will be. So there is nothing new under the sun. Uh, is there anything of which one might say, uh, see this, it is new. Already it has existed for ages, uh, which were before us. Um, you know, I was saying that the church is really under deliberate attack, and the scripture bears that out. But we see so much of the, uh, the things being taught in schools today. I'm sure parents know exactly what I'm talking about. That was happening back in Sodom and Gomorrah. The church has not been 
recently under attack. The church has always been under attack. And for us to understand where we're at, so we aren't fearing the things that are happening in the physical world. We have to understand it's, it's just the spiritual war happening and the carnage sometimes carries over. Um, I really didn't get these notes like the sheets in order. This is embarrassing. I normally don't have notes, so this is all new to me. Um, so. Alright, so as we look at the physical things that are going on, and we think of, um, you know, fear the Lord, and let's go back to that uh, scripture in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 9, that's, as far as I know, that's been, or that's going to be kind of the anchor verse. Verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Um, so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To be wise in the service of the Lord means to fear the Lord properly. If we can't understand or have a grasp of who God is, then how are we going to be able to fear him? How are we going to understand just how great of him, how great his sacrifice was, but also that it wasn't just the, the final act on the cross. It was every day, every decision, every everything he said, he had you individually on his mind, your salvation. But he also knew that if he didn't go, he knew what the other alternative was. So there was a sense of fear and a sense of urgency in his mind as he went out every day serving, teaching, healing, you know, bringing people closer so that when the kingdom of God came here to this earth, people would be able to walk right in. Because um, he was trying to bring people from you know, the, the Jewish faith into the kingdom of God, which was kind of a big step because it did away with all the traditions. And so he had to do that. And every day he was out there trying to, uh, trying to keep in his mind the next step, the next step, the next step. And it was all for us. Um, when we finally understand that's the God we serve, it's no longer a fear of punishment. It's no longer a fear of damnation and fear of hellfire and brimstone. It's... It's a love that you would have for your father. I think of, I mean, so many times the things that my dad has done to sacrifice for the whole family, but for me personally. And it, it blows me away because at the time I never even realized it. Didn't, didn't see it. It just, you know, dad's just doing what dad does. And, you know, but years down the road, the blessing of all those things that he taught me and now I like understand it. I see it now. So if we were to look at God in the same way, now all these years down the road, you know, being immersed you know, years ago, now down the road we finally understand that sacrifice, you know, truly understand it, not just the cross, 
so many or so much more to that sacrifice, we can understand how much our Father loves us. But that should also push us in another direction. The fear for those who do not know, because we do know where they stand. And the sense of urgency that should give us should match the sense of urgency that Christ had when he was here on this earth. And that's the kind of fear that should put fire under our fannies to get out there and be doing the same things that he did, the sacrifice, and pushing towards that final goal of as many people as we can. Because we know we're not going to get them all. That's what we hope for. We hope we're getting them all. But as many people as we can. And that's really what... Um, what the fear of God is going to really bring about is a sense of urgency and a sense of family within the church, but it's, it's that love as we understand that really God gave us two options and he gave us a way out. He gave us the choice, but he gave us a way out of perfect justice. And that was through our personal choice, our free will, I like this picture here. It's kind of right in the middle. Uh, our free will is the dividing line between justice and mercy. God's going to give out both. It's just a matter of which side are you going to choose to be on. Are you going to be on the left or on the right? And so that should put a sense of fear, both love and adoration, but also urgency to go to those who are still outside. So hopefully... Uh, as we're here this week, um, and these men actually really touch, uh, you know, really pinpoint uh, what fear is and how it looks uh, in our lives. Hopefully I've kind of given you guys like a, a, a general picture and a general direction where we're going. Is we're not looking so much at, you know, that fear that we initially think of, because that's, that's the picture everybody thinks of, is this trembling. Um, but it's more of understanding who God is. And that love will actually push us to do greater things um, in this room. So hopefully, I didn't let you down, Dad. But uh, take notes, uh, because this is, from what I've seen and from what we've been talking about, this is going to be a really awesome camp. So take notes on everybody else's and uh, <laughs> try to stay awake. Thank you. <laughs>